We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Wilson. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, hope you're getting ready for uh, Christmas in just a few days. Uh, uh, Merry Christmas from me and and uh, my family here. Um, hope you guys enjoy the holiday. <clears throat> but uh, we've had some very interesting college football over the past couple days, and a lot of a lot of new things going on um, in the world of college football. New coordinators getting hired all over the place, um, which which then leads to uh, recruits who have committed with signing day being last Wednesday. Um, it leads to some interesting things there from the perspective of, well, you're committing. Most guys are committing to their uh, – position coordinator I mean their position coach really I mean if we're being honest because that's who you're gonna be with and be around uh, most of the time from a football standpoint um, your offensive coordinators your defensive coordinators I mean obviously your head coach you're com- you're committing to him to lead you and lead the program but a lot of these position coaching changes are uh, it, it, it throws things into flux with these recruits so uh, <clears throat> I think to me, I think it's an interesting thing to watch just to see how that all plays out. Um, like I said, a lot of changes going on in the college football landscape. And, and let's go ahead and uh, jump into a lot of topics I want to cover today. First, I want to talk about the fantastic football game in the Cure Bowl um, between the Northern Illinois Huskies and the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Um, <clears throat> in, in the last episode I recorded, I had my buddy Chance Bloomhurst on. Chance is an NIU alum. He graduated from NIU. Uh, as everybody knows who listens to the show, I'm a big Coastal fan. Um, and we just kind of bantered back and forth about what we thought was going to happen in that game. And I and I got to give Chance credit for, for – uh, <clears throat> um, saying how close the game would be. He said NIU would win the game 49-48. to If NIU would have scored that touchdown on that last drive, they would have won 48-47. to So, hey, props to him for – I thought the game would be a bigger margin for Coastal. But uh, those are – let's just, let's just call it what it is. Those are two really good football teams, two good football teams. I mean, NIU has like 70 or so – underclassmen that are guys that are two years or less removed from high school. So, I mean, NIU is really on the come up, and they're going to be in really good shape. Uh, The the only question for NIU, in my opinion, going into next year is the quarterback position. Who's going to replace Rocky Lombardi? Um, Actually, Rocky Lombardi might have another year. 
he might be a junior. So I take that back. If Rocky Lombardi is coming back for the Huskies, then that would be huge for them. And I think then that they are the heavy, heavy favorite to repeat in the Mac. Um, just, just because of how young they are, but they're, they're talented. They, they won so many close games this year. And that's why going into that, at the end of that coastal game there, I mean, you just kind of thought, Oh my goodness, are they going to do it again? Um, got to talk about a bizarre ending to that game. Um, if you didn't see it, uh, uh, NIU hit an out route with about four seconds left or so. And it was for a first down. The refs marked the ball. They started the clock, let it run. Time ran out. Now, the 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 issue with it is they ruled the play a completion, but <clears throat> in all honesty, it probably was an incomplete pass. Uh, just kind of a weird, weird ending there. The officials, one, should have stopped the play and reviewed it. It was on fourth down, so NIU probably would have turned it over on downs. So, I mean, Coastal wins the game either way. But just just a bizarre ending to a really, really good football game that just went back and forth, back and forth. Um, just a ton of lead changes. I want to say that there were seven lead changes. It just went back and forth. Just just a really, really good football game. Um, both teams play tremendously. Um, NIU just ran all over Coastal. And uh, for the for a total of 335 yards, I mean, it was it was a beatdown on the ground there. And then Coastal very balanced, 315 through the air, 199 on the ground. Coastal had some penalties that were kind of head scratching that you kind of thought, oh, if that if they lose this game, that's going to be why. But <clears throat> you look at it, Rocky Lombardi threw two touchdown passes. He ran for one. Uh, Ducker had 146 yards on the ground. Brown had 105 on the ground. Like just a really solid performance. Then Grayson McCall, 315 through the air and four touchdown passes. He was the MVP of the game. Then then you got to see freshman Braden Bennett, um, who is going to be a superstar at Coastal Carolina. He had six carries, 108 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, that young man is going to be special. And then, of course, the ending to careers for Isaiah Likely. He had two touchdown receptions. Javon Hiley, um, Cam Brown, then so many guys defensively from Silas Kelly, Teddy Gallagher, C.J. Brewer. I mean, the list goes on and on with uh, with the Coastal defense, Alex Spillum. I mean, there's so many guys that uh, played played their last game for the shot to clears. But the one who did not is Grayson McCall. And <clears throat> I know there's a lot of speculation going on with Grayson McCall about him possibly transferring, hitting the transfer portal. <clears throat> the only thing I'm going to say, I'll say a couple things about that. Now, I am a, obviously a huge, huge fan of Grayson McCall. I think he is going to be a Heisman, a legit Heisman candidate next year. Um, his numbers this year were out of this world. Um, 
just and he, and he didn't play in every game. Um but he threw he he threw for 2873 yards, 27 touchdowns, only 3 interceptions, 73% completion percentage, which is astounding. But then he broke the NCAA record for QB rating, 207.6, broke Matt Jones Mac Jones's record from a couple years ago or from last year, I should say. Um no one had ever been over 200. So Grayson McCall did something special this year. Um, and I expect him to, to come out next year and just uh, just to be even, even more special. I mean, the young man is as good as it gets um, at the quarterback position. And But go, going back to the transfer situation, the only thing I will say about that is I I, I, I go back and forth on it. I, I don't want him to transfer, obviously, because I'm a Coastal fan and he's one of my favorite players and I love watching him play. So I want him to be a shot to clear. But at the same time, I I look at it for his future and for his uh, future career as an NFL quarterback um, and, and just think if he's in – a power five system um, running a different type of offense than uh, than what he's used to. Is he more prepared then for the NFL? It, it, it's one of those things you go back and forth on it. I, I, I think for his career, it may be better if he does transfer, but <clears throat> selfishly as a fan, I do not want him to. And I don't think he will. Um, he pretty much already put, he put out on Twitter right after the, right after the bowl game that he was looking forward to playing with, uh, guys like Braden Bennett next year, um, and in the future. So to me, that pretty much says that he's coming back, but, uh, it's something, something that had to be discussed just, uh, just because it's floating out there, but, uh, nonetheless, but now let's talk about quarterbacks who actually are transferring. I went through the list last Monday, and we've already had a handful of guys commit. Uh, Quinn Ewers had committed already, uh, going from Ohio State to Texas. Um, I think he completely used the system for uh, NIL, um, made a ton of money at Ohio State, and then bailed where he was going to go to Texas from the beginning, I thought. So... <clears throat> that works out. Um, then the one that came out last Monday, dirt, right before I hit the air, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma to South Carolina. That one I'm very, very intrigued to watch, see how that goes. Dylan Gabriel, UCF to UCLA. Um, in that Brian Kelly system, I think that could be really, really intriguing to see um, the – him firing on all cylinders there. Um, it'd be interesting to watch. I really, I really think so. Jacob Zeno going from Baylor to UAB. Um, UAB had a heck of a performance in their bowl game. So that one's going to be really, really interesting to see. Max Johnson leaving LSU for Texas A&M when he just beat Texas A&M. So that one's going to be really, really interesting. You already know he's going to have a QB battle on his hands there once he gets there, so it's going to be really interesting there. Uh, Charlie Brewer going from Utah to Liberty. Um, 
obviously Malik Willis is going to be done at Liberty, so it would seem Charlie Brewer is going to be the starting quarterback at Liberty next year. But Liberty always gets a ton of transfers, so who knows. But then uh, Michael Penix Jr. from Indiana to Washington, um, he's a guy that's immense talent, but one, he's always injured, and two, he does turn it over. Uh, so it be interesting to see there. Washington just hasn't lived up to expectations, so that'll be interesting to see. But the two that I am most intrigued about, <clears throat> uh, last night Bo Nix announced that he would be going from Auburn to Oregon. I really, really feel that Bo Nix is made for one Pac-12 football and just the the run-and-shoot offenses that exist in the Pac-12 and the points that are scored and how quick the offenses are. I, I feel like he's made for that. And kind of in the SEC, you don't, that's not – it's not as much of a thing. I mean, I know Mississippi State try, tries to do it, but it just doesn't work against those SEC defenses in my opinion. Uh, we see that when the Pac-12 teams make the playoff. But uh, <clears throat> nonetheless – but I think Bo Nix at Oregon, playing up-tempo, playing fast, I, I really feel like uh, – and it's going to be interesting to see what the new staff does from an offensive standpoint. We, ha we have to say that too. But, I mean, just going off of the past Oregon teams and how fast that they usually play and how they want to score points, I mean, I, I, just, feel, I just feel like it's really, really in – in Bo Nix's alley. Now, the one thing that's going to be really interesting to look at when it comes to Bo Nix playing up tempo is how many times he's going to turn it over um, because that's been an issue in the past too. So, I mean, you gotta you, you gotta take the good with the bad. Obviously, when it comes with that, I mean, he's going to make more good plays than bad plays. Obviously, but <clears throat> he's got to make the right reads quickly in the in uh in the pack 12 so i i just feel like it's a good fit i feel like he's gonna do really well there um he's not gonna have that like immense pressure like at auburn and the sec um so, so i feel like it's a win-win for him and for oregon but the one transfer quarterback transfer that i really see panning out really well is Adrian Martinez from Nebraska to Kansas State. I truly believe Adrian Martinez can be a good quarterback. Adrian Martinez has turnover issues, obviously. Um, that That's the understatement of the century. Um, but I feel like a change of scenery for him is going to be huge. Um, I feel like the pressure that he was under at Nebraska was immensely, obviously immensely more than he is going to have to deal with at Kansas State. I feel like he's going to be able to go into Kansas State and just play football and just have fun. And, and Kansas State's not going to ask him to, like, make amazing plays with his arm. Uh, he's going to be able to 
run the football, use his legs. I mean, the typical Kansas State type quarterback. And I think he's the perfect fit for what Kansas State does. And, and <clears throat> I'm going to be – I'm really, really intrigued to see how that pans out. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say Kansas State is a Big 12 favorite now or any of that. But I will say Kansas State is getting a shot in the arm with this. I mean, Deuce Vaughn, their running back, is the best all-purpose player in America. Um, if you haven't seen that young man play, he is a special, special talent who is going to be playing on Sundays very soon. <clears throat> His true freshman year, he splashed on the scene was tremendous. I mean, his dad coached coach for the Cowboys, so he's obviously been around the game his whole life. Then this year, more of the same. He's just a first-team All-American as an all-purpose player, just out of the backfield, running the ball, catching the ball, special teams. I mean, the young man is special. And I just feel like if you, you team Adrian Martinez and his ability as a running quarterback and – with Deuce Vaughn, I feel like that something special could happen. I'm not saying it will. Again, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to say Kansas State is going to win the Big 12 or be a Big 12 favorite. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there's potential for something special to happen. And it's something that I'm really looking forward to watch um, as the off season and into the season progresses because I really feel like I really feel like that there's something there potentially. <clears throat> now, now I want to talk about uh, a pretty amazing feat in the uh, Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl where Utah State beat Oregon State pretty handily. A uh, pretty impressive win by the Aggies. Uh, Great performance by them and a really, really great season. As they were projected to just be a, be at the bottom of the Mountain West and then they win the Mountain West. But the the, the thing I want to talk about is Cooper Lega, Lega, who had not seen any playing time in his entire career at Utah State. Just Logan Bonner this year played out of this out of his mind and was tremendous and helped lead this team to this point. But he was injured in the game, and in comes Cooper Lega, a sophomore who, after I did a little research, the young man won six state championships in high school, two in football, two. And uh, track, um, I believe it was throwing the javelin, and then two in wrestling. So it's just like the young man is a tremendous athlete, and I don't care that it's in Utah and Utah doesn't have a high population. I mean, if you're an athlete, you're an athlete. I mean, that's tremendous athleticism. <clears throat> but the young man comes in, his first first pass is a 62-yard bomb to Devon Tompkins, who is arguably an All-American in his own right this year. But a 62-yard bomb, and he checked out of the original play 
and made this play call on his own. Now, this is a backup who has never played in a college football game. First off, way to be ready when your when your number's called, Cooper Lega. That is fantastic. As a former college coach myself, just way to be ready. And then second, it was a perfect pass. And the young man played a tremendous game. He threw a pick that really wasn't uh, – I mean, it was a pick, but it was one of those where he was trying to make a play, and you, li- you live with that one. But, I mean, he threw two touchdown passes. Just, just an amazing, amazing performance by that young man to be ready when it was his time and just to make the right plays. And he did a tremendous job leading the Aggies to a huge victory over Pac-12 Oregon State. I just had to give Cooper Legat a shout out there because, I mean, it was it was a tremendous performance. Tremendous performance. <clears throat> now I want to talk a little bit about um, Western Kentucky and just some amazing uh, statistics. First off, Bailey Zapp, just the year he had this year. I mean, I know, I know, I didn't list him in my five top five for Heisman finalists, but after I've like sat down and thought about this, if that young man has on a jersey from a Power Five instead of Western Kentucky. <clears throat> He is clearly a top five Heisman finalist. And and I would guarantee you that he would win the Heisman. If he's at a power five school with the numbers he put up, he threw for 5,967 yards, which is an NCAA record, broke the record for passing yards in a season. And he threw for over 1,500 more yards than the next closest quarterback this year the quarterback from Mississippi State, over 1,500 yards more than the next guy. Then he threw an astounding 62 touchdowns, passing Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow threw 60 in 15 games. Bailey Zape threw 62 in 14 games. Just just an astounding season. And... I mean, I know that they that the offense that they run is just like like a run and shoot on steroids, even. But none, nonetheless, just an amazing, amazing season by him to throw for nearly six thousand yards in sixty-two touchdowns is just mind blowing. And like I said, if he has on a Power Five jersey, he wins the Heisman in a landslide. Then you have his top receiver, Jareth Stearns, who let's let's first say Stearns and Zap, Zap both transferred from Houston Baptist, from FCS Houston Baptist this year, following their offensive coordinator, <clears throat> who is now going to Texas Tech, by the way. But nonetheless, these guys come from an FCS school, go to FBS Western Kentucky, set the world on fire, set all kinds of records. But Jared Stearns had 150 receptions on him by himself. 150 catches in 14 games, folks. That is 
That's mind-blowing in itself. He had more receptions himself than Minnesota, New Mexico State, Army, Navy, Air Force, and New Mexico. He had more receptions by himself than six programs, one of them being a P5. So, Jareth Stearns, 150 receptions. I, I just can't wrap. I don't know which stat is more amazing. The fact that Bailey Zapp threw for almost 6,000 yards and 62 touchdowns, or did Jarrett Stearns had 150 catches and had more catches by himself than six FBS programs. Now, granted, those last four, Army, Navy, Air Force, and New Mexico, run the triple option, but still... It's still amazing, nonetheless. Just, just an amazing feat by Western Kentucky, and uh, bravo to them. And of course, with National Signing Day this past week, um, got to talk about the craziest thing that has probably ever happened in uh, football recruiting. Number one recruit in the country, Travis Hunter, uh, cornerback, fantastic wide receiver too, by the way. But he was committed to Florida State. He was going to go to Florida State. Hadn't signed yet, so it's signing day. He's going, to, he's going to sign. I'm sure you guys have seen the video by now. He takes three different hats, throws them away, takes that Florida State hat at the end, puts it on, and then he's like, nope, never mind. Then... He does the, I'll say the unthinkable, and gets a Jackson State hat and commits to FCS Jackson State to go play for Deion Sanders. Now, as a cornerback, obviously, there's no one better to learn from than Deion Sanders. I mean, obviously, that is... Uh, Deion Sanders is probably the greatest cornerback in the history of football. So, I mean, if you want to go learn from a guy and play the position that, that played the position at the highest level, that's obviously the guy you want to learn from. But just the amazing thing that, De that Deion stole, let's just say, let's just call it what it is, stole a commitment from his alma mater. First of all, the number one recruit in the country, number one, number two, depending on who you look at, um, and and get him to flip to FCS Jackson State. Now, there's probably another big reason why this flip happened. Um, obviously, we know Deion Sanders with his uh, major ties to Barstool Sports, um, was able to get Mr. Hunter a $1.5 million NIL deal. Uh, so that's that's a big deal, too, in this whole process. So, I mean, obviously, the young man is going to go play uh, football for the greatest player at the position, the greatest player who will now be his coach at the position he plays but he also has a $1.5 million deal uh, per year already in his back pocket. So, nonetheless, 
Then you turn. Then they turn around the Celebration Bowl on Saturday and get their butts beat by South Carolina State, which kudos to South Carolina State for playing tremendous and just thoroughly beating Jackson State and doing a great job there. Um, but nonetheless, they could have really used Travis Hunter. So uh, now I'm going to take a little bit of time. Uh, everybody knows who listens regularly. I'm partnered with Sidelines Yukon. Um, always take a little bit of time to talk about the Huskies. Um, I, I, I discussed... Um, I, I brought up Utah State earlier with Cooper Lega, and that is who the Huskies open up with next year. Week zero, um, they go to Utah State and play um, on August 27th. So that's going to be – that's an interesting one um, just because Utah State has proven that they're good. I'm uh, just going to run down uh, UConn's schedule for next year, for those who don't know. they Like I said, they play at Utah State. Then they got Central Connecticut. Um, then they got Syracuse at Michigan, which I hopefully will be at that game. At NC State. Then they got Fresno State. At FIU. At Ball State. Hopefully I'll be at that game too. Then they got Boston College, UMass, Liberty, and at Army. I look at that schedule and and say with the signing class that the, with the signing class that they have coming in with the recruits um, with the transfer portal that they're they've hit tremendously hard um, I look at it and say why can't UConn get three to four wins and I know I've said that before but I mean you look at that schedule and you say I mean why why can't it happen why can't they beat Central Connecticut I mean, obviously, they better win that game. Um, UMass, they can beat UMass. I mean, win at FIU, um, at Ball State even. I mean, and, and even get a home game uh, against Syracuse or if you play Fresno State earlier enough. I mean, I know Jake Hayner back for Fresno State. But you look at the schedule, sets up for three to four wins, in my opinion, which is a big deal. Um, for UConn based off of where they're coming from. Uh, they got another commitment for today um, from another running back. Just like I've said, like their skill position players, um, it, it, it's pretty impressive if you ask me what, uh, what UConn's put together. Um, I, I I keep saying it, but I feel like they're really going to have a a top ten wide receiving core. There's just there's a lot of talent from the returners and some new guys that they're bringing in. Um, just so I'm really really intrigued to see what they do there. Um, then I'm also intrigued because. I mean, Tyler Puma is the front runner at the quarterback position, obviously. Um, and, and as he should be, I mean, the, the, the way he looked, the way he led the team, the way that he was able to do things, to me, uh, I, I feel like he is a program-changing type talent. 
I really do, especially for UConn. I feel like he can be that for the Huskies. Um, I feel like he can develop into that, and I feel like he can do it. Um, time will tell, obviously. Um, but I, I think one of the big things that UConn needed was some true competition for him at the quarterback position and and they got that right now with um, quarterback Kale Milan transferring in from he originally went to Oregon then he was at Northern Arizona so I mean he's been he's been around a little bit but 6'4", 210 pounds. Um, he, he's from the state of Washington. Class of 2019, he was a three-star recruit. He chose the Ducks over UCLA, Northwestern, and Arizona State. So, I mean, the young man has, and he was projected to be a P5 starter for multiple years and be a draft pick. Um, his father... Hugh Milan obviously played in the NFL. I mean, this is this is a young man who comes in with a lot of ability, and and I think it's huge for for UConn to to have that um, <clears throat> to have that um, competition. I think it's a big deal um, that. Tyler Puma gets pushed every day and that if he does falter or if he does get hurt again that there is a guy in place who you can have some confidence in um, and that you feel better about than uh, some of the guys that they've had in the past so I think that's a big deal for the Huskies moving forward um, and we'll we'll see what it leads to but I think getting that QB commit for a competition standpoint is huge um, now let's conclude the episode going to look at the bulls um, today we had the myrtle beach bull Tulsa got the w over old dominion but uh let's look uh, i'm going to go through next monday december 27th so tomorrow we have the famous idaho potato bowl kent state against wyoming um Kent State has a really good quarterback who a lot of people might not know about, Dustin Crum, who's had a good career there. Um, he's a good passer. He's thrown for nearly 3,000 yards, but he can also run the ball really well. Um, and that also leads to their running back, Marquez Copper, has over 1,000 yards this year. Um, he's, a, he's a good back too, but I – I have to lean towards Wyoming actually in this matchup uh, if for no other reason than the fact that they've played at Boise before and they're used to that bit of elevation change. Um, <clears throat> that Kent State needs that adjustment there. But I, I think that this game could be – this is an intriguing matchup. Wyoming started the year really, really strong. They were undefeated at like 5-0. I watched them beat UConn. 
Um, <clears throat> but they kind of faltered down the stretch. They got a couple conference wins. They did win at Utah State handily. So, I mean, this is a pretty good football team. Um, I think we could be in for a shootout there, but I'm going to go with Wyoming there. Then the the nightcap tomorrow, the uh, Frisco Bowl. Um, uh, two really good G5 teams going at it. UTSA, the Conference USA champs, seeking their first ever bowl win versus San Diego State, who lost the Mountain West title but has had a tremendous year. They beat Utah. I mean, the, the San Diego State had a great year. Um, UTSA only has one loss. This is a 12-1 UTSA against 11-2 San Diego State. So this is a good football game. Really, really excited for this one. The only damper to this game for UTSA, Sincere McCormick, their potential All-American running back, uh, opted out of the game, decided to focus on the NFL draft, which I don't fault him one bit. He ran for nearly 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns this year. I mean, he was amazing this year. In his last game against Western Kentucky, he had 36 carries, 204 yards, and three touchdowns. The young man is an absolute workhorse, tremendous football player, and he will play on Sundays. So I, I, I'm going to lean San Diego State in this game for the fact that McCormick will be out, but I, I, I got to say Frank Harris at quarterback for UTSA is a dynamic threat. Nearly 3,000 yards passing. He's a rushing threat too. So, I mean, you got to you gotta watch out for that young man. And then they have a really, really good receiver in Zachary Franklin who reminds me. I don't want to put this pressure on the young man, but he reminds me of Calvin Johnson in the way that he is able to make some of the spectacular catches that he makes. I mean, he makes some catches that you just say, wow. Um the young man has nearly 1,000 yards receiving this year and 11 touchdowns. And if you haven't seen some of his catches, look on YouTube. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Uh, San Diego State running back, Greg Bell, he's going to go over 1,000 yards for the season in this game. Um, he's a guy to look at. But I'm going to lean San Diego State in this game. But that's going to be a really good football game. Then Wednesday... Uh, an intriguing matchup in the Armed Forces Bowl. You got Missouri, who has a tremendous running back, potential All-American in Tyler Batty. Uh, just a tremendous senior season from him. He kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. 1,604 yards and 14 touchdowns this year. Just, just an amazing uh, performance by him this year. Uh, didn't fumble the ball at all. I mean, the young man is really good. But they're going up against Army, who uh, contrasting styles in this game. Obviously, we know what Army's trying to do. I saw Army play in person this year against Wisconsin. Very, very impressed by them. I am actually going to pick Army in this game uh, to control the clock, control um, time of possession, and just uh, take care of business there. 
and that would be a huge, huge win for Army to beat an SEC team. So that, that that's why I'm going to go with Army there. Thursday, we got the Frisco Football Classic, which they created for the uh, bowl structure this year. It North Texas against Miami, Ohio. Both teams are 6-6. Six and six. Um, North Texas has won five in a row um, coming into this game. So they're hot, kind of like Old Dominion was coming into the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Um, I will say Miami, Ohio, Brett Gabbert, their quarterback, uh, has had a very good year himself. Uh, 24 touchdowns and six interceptions. Um, he's a good he's a good quarterback. And uh, they, they'll sling the ball around. One, one of their receivers, Jack Shorenson, he uh, – has 1,290 yards and 10 touchdowns. So he's a guy to look at. Um, and then just North Texas, you, they're known for up-tempo, but they ran the ball tremendously well this year. Uh, DeAndre Torrey, they're running back at 1,215 yards and 13 touchdowns. They've kind of gone back and forth between some different quarterbacks. But uh, I'm going to go Miami, Ohio in this game to win the game, but North Texas, again, has won five in a row, and they beat UTSA in their last game. So I think the game could be interesting. And then you got the Gasparilla Bowl in <clears throat> in Tampa. You got UCF against Florida. This one is made for TV, folks. Just tremendous. Really, really looking forward to this just to kind of see – like, how crazy this could get. UCF has never beaten Florida. And obviously, this is this might be their best chance. Um, Florida quarterback Emory Jones has already entered the transfer portal, but he wants to play in this game. Um, it, 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 this is just a bizarre game. Um, just... Some weird stuff. Uh, Mikey Keene, the quarterback at UCF, has done a good job since he was pressed into action after Dylan Gabriel's injury. But I, I, I keep going back and forth on this game like because it means more to UCF to get this win than it would for Florida. But it also is important for Florida because you don't want to lose to UCF. So I'm going to say Florida wins this game, but it wouldn't shock me if – UCF just puts up a dogfight and gets this win. The amazing thing, Raymond James Stadium will be sold out for this football game. So that's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Then on Christmas Eve, we get the Hawaii Bowl, Memphis against Hawaii. Um the thing you always worry about in the Hawaii Bowl is whoever Hawaii plays, usually are they just happy and happy to be there. Or uh, do they want to win the game? I mean, Memphis is the better team. Um, their receiver, uh, Calvin Austin the third, is a stud. Um, Eleven hundred forty-nine yards and eight touchdowns. He he is a speed demon. Um, their quarterback Seth Hennigan, he's a freshman, uh, thrown for. 30, over 3,300 yards, 25 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. So he's had a pretty good year. But Memphis hasn't had as good of a year themselves as I think people would have imagined. Um, but 
But nonetheless, I mean, they're still bowl eligible. They still get to play in a bowl game. It, it's going to boil down to are they happy to be in Hawaii, in Hawaii or do they want to get the win? I'm going to go Memphis because they're the better team. But I could also see, like we've seen before, where the like I like I keep saying that Hawaii's used to playing there. The other team's not. We'll see how it goes. Christmas Day, we get the Camilla Bowl, uh, Georgia State against Ball State. Uh, gonna try not to show my Sun Belt bias here, but Ball State scraped in to the bowl game. Um, got in in the last game. Uh, Drew Plitt, their quarterback, uh, decent year. Not not as good as as you might have imagined him to have. Uh, thrown for twenty two hundred forty eight yards, seventeen touchdowns, five picks. Um, but the one I'm looking forward to seeing, Georgia State, their dual threat quarterback, Darian Granger, um, had a had a really good year this year. Um, side note, he's from Conway, South Carolina, so kind of surprised he didn't end up at Coastal. But uh, 1,512 yards, 16 touchdowns, only four picks. But like I said, he is a dual threat Um he, he can run the run the ball too um, but I, I'm gonna go Georgia State in this game uh, they beat coastal so I, I just think they're a better football team and then the last two next Monday the quick lane bowl in Detroit this one I'm gonna be short and sweet with Nevada everyone has either opted out like Carson strong their quarterback or they've transferred um, just everyone is gone including the coach. Um, Western Michigan, I, I'm going to say, wins maybe even going away. Sky Moore, their receiver, had an unbelievable year this year. Then quarterback uh, Caleb Elby had a really good year too himself. I, I think I saw Western play in person this year. I was very, very impressed by Caleb Elby. Um He's a really good football player, and I think he's got a bright future to play on Sunday. Like I said, I think Western Michigan can win this game going away in Detroit. And then you got the Military Bowl, Boston College against East Carolina. Um, it's going to boil down to Phil Dracovic. And what happens there? Um, <clears throat> Zay Flowers at receiver. They, they, I mean, Boston College was my sleeper pick coming into the year, but Djokovic got hurt. Um, they're 5-1 and one in the games he played this year, though. But uh, East Carolina quarterback Holton Aylers had a really good year himself, uh, 3,126 yards, 18 touchdowns. Um, they spread the ball around. They run the ball pretty well, too. But I'm going to go BC just because I've <clears throat> just because I've kind of been rolling with them all season. But it wouldn't surprise me if Eastern, Eastern Carolina showed up and uh, played well. But uh, those are kind of my – that's kind of my breakdown for the bowl games for the next week. Hope you guys get to watch some uh, good football. As always, uh, feel free to follow me personally on my Twitter account at Coach underscore B-Will. And then also the the podcast account at TNT College Foot One putting out content daily um different things uh to interact with different people uh, again 
love doing this weekly. Hope you guys enjoy it too. Um, <clears throat> continue to listen. And again, uh, hit the hit the follow button on Twitter for at TNT College Foot One. All right, guys, have a good night. Merry Christmas. God bless.